Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue, just west of the Cherryville Mall. Now let's join Eric Dykstra with today's message. introduction. Some of you guys have uh, gotten to know me. Like I said, my name is Eric. I grew up about an hour and 20 minutes from here. Uh, my wife and I. So like I said, um, I grew up about an hour and 20 minutes from here. Uh, I've got two older brothers. Uh, I grew up, I uh, went to school for ministry in uh, Orange City, Iowa at Northwestern College. And so um, if any of you are familiar with that area, that's kind of where I went. And uh, after that, I've just served in a couple of different roles ministry-wise. And really over the last uh, three years, I've kind of been on this journey. Um, Jared approached me a few weeks ago on what I wanted to talk about, whether this week on joy or the next week on love. And I said, really, if I'm honest, I think joy has got to be what I speak on, just because it's been kind of where I've been at over the last three years. And it's kind of what God has been showing me and just the power that joy has in our lives. And you know, I think when we come into this Christmas season, a lot of times we hear that word joy and we get this connotation in our mind about what joy is. And I think a lot of us kind of associate it just kind of with this being happy or this emotional state of just, well, I've got to be happy, you know? And so a lot of times when we're going through something hard, it's kind of like, well, once I get through this, then I can be happy. But the, the whole process of Jesus coming into the world was now God making a way for us again to be able to walk in relationship with God. And I think a big part of joy, God being with us, is God being present as we walk through the hard times as well. And it's this concept of being relationally connected with us. Knowing his heart, knowing his thoughts, and being attuned with him that he's not surprised by what's going on in our lives. And so we have the opportunity and the privilege of getting to walk with him on a daily basis. And I've learned over the years that it's one of the greatest privileges and exciting times in my life to learn how to walk with God in different ways. Because there are going to be seasons, I'm sure many of you have experienced, where it's been really hard to hear his voice or to feel like he's close. And in that time, you've got to put a little more trust and a little more faith, maybe, in knowing that God is around you and his presence is going to lead you and guide you. And there may be seasons you walk through where it was like, man, God won't be quiet. You know, he's constantly talking. And so you've got to grab journals and you've got to write and write and write and write. And God's just like, man, okay, God, I need to pause. <laughs> I just need to process some of this of what you're doing. And it's funny as Jared came up here today, um, he talked about God kind of bringing us into the season, and I felt the same thing in worship, where he wants to kind of illuminate us, and he wants to kind of give off this radiance around us, and as I've gotten to kind of know God, he kind of shows up in some funny ways sometimes, because I'm sitting there in worship, and God kind of brings me back to one of my favorite Christmas movies, and it's one that Michelle usually, wa Michelle and I watch uh, every year, it's the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and how many of you guys can remember that scene where Clark Griswold goes out and he's trying to get, all, you know, they, him and his son are out there. They're up there all night trying to get all these lights because they want to have the most illuminated house on the entire block, right? And then all of a sudden they get all of it plugged in and he, he pulls their whole family out there and they're sitting. They're waiting for this moment together where he's going to uh, plug them in. They do the drum roll, right? So it's anticipating. They're waiting to get there. They're waiting to get there and he plugs in. And all of a sudden, there's nothing. And everybody's just kind of like, oh. You know, 
And then you got one dad who's kind of over here. He's just glad to be with him. And he's like, well, I can see it in my mind. It looks beautiful, Clark. And you've got the other grandpa or the other dad, uh, father-in-law, who's just kind of like, oh, well, it didn't work. You know, he's kind of, as usual, he put his mind to something and it wasn't accomplished. And so you've got these two images of a dad, you know, one that's kind of negative. Oh, this always happens. And the other dad is just kind of like, you know, well, we're with you. We're together. We're a family. You know, even if it doesn't work, it's okay. And yet they go back inside. And then another time in the movie, he's out there and he's out there again and he's trying to do it and it's not working. And so he gets real upset and he starts kicking the deer and he starts, you know, uh, some language that's not, you know, great, but, um, and then he, he's thinking through the circuitry. He's like, what is going on? Like I, he, he pulls his son over. Do we check all the circuits? Yeah. Yeah. We check the circuits. Right. And so the wife goes back there and then she's got an idea and then Clark goes somewhere else. She plugs it in and this thing goes off. Right. Well, meanwhile, Clark's in the back. He has no idea that this house is all lit up. And so he comes back in and finally they kind of figure out what's going on and they flip the switch and there's this house that's just glowing, right? And you see all the meters just spinning and you see all the electricity from around the town going out. But it's kind of this image that God was speaking to me this morning about when we're rightfully connected with God, our lives just kind of illuminate and it becomes brighter. You know, and I've had the chance to kind of work with Mark. Mark's sitting over here today as a, as a he was an electrician. And I'm kind of getting to know some things about how electrical work works because I'm not, I wasn't real familiar with it. And it's amazing, you know, when you run these wires and when you've got everything running right, you can get electricity to the right places. And it begins to illuminate. It brings light so that when darkness comes, you can flip a switch and all of a sudden there's light, Right. And that's a lot of the way that God has created us to live in our lives is relationally with him. And when we learn to be able to connect with him at any moment, it's kind of like he illuminates us. He gives us his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit begins to minister and talk to us and give us these brilliant and creative ideas that we know are not my own. And he brings us into a spot in life where we begin to walk in a new way. Because when we give our lives to Christ and when he makes his home inside of us, we become a new person. He adds all of who he is into who we are currently. And he says, I am so delighted. I am so delighted to walk with you because I knew you before you were born. I was the one that put all the wiring of who you are into the DNA that made you specifically and uniquely you. And I absolutely love who you are. I adore you. As I was sitting here singing this song this morning, I was just kind of dwelling and thinking on this aspect of adoring Christ in our hearts. And to me, it's a season where we get to come before Christ and we get to just dwell and adore him for who he is. Because I think of my life, I, last uh, service, I shared kind of my testimony of when I came to Christ, and that was in eighth grade. And my life has been radically different since having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It was at a camp with some of my friends, and it was just an incredible experience. And I just felt this sense of peace and joy that began to come inside. And I just felt illuminated. I felt seen. I felt God was present with me. And as I've learned to walk with him years after, it's just kind of been this ongoing journey in this process of learning the new ways that God has kind of enabled me to walk with him. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys this morning 
about being able to come into this season and thinking about joy kind of in this context is I want to set kind of a framework and define two words, really, joy and grace, and how they are really from the same Greek word. They come from the same root Greek word, joy and grace do. And so I'm going to define joy, if we can get that up here on the screen. It's real complex. I made it simple for you guys so you can hear it. But this is a way that I've heard it described um, through a couple different ministries I've been involved with. Joy is relational connection that someone is glad to be with me. And when you think about Emmanuel, God with us, God coming into our world out of heaven so that he could walk through life with you, that's a powerful, powerful thing to just set your mind on is that he wants to be relationally connected and he's glad to be with you where you're at. And then grace, grace being defined as that you're special and favorite to someone. And I know this isn't the original like Greek, you know, um, definition of, of the word grace, but I really liked how they put this is that you're special and favorite to someone because if someone's glad to be with you and they see you as special and favorite, it does something on the inside of you that begins to change the person that you are. And that's what happens when Christ is given that place to dwell and his spirit can abide inside of us is that it enables us, it empowers us, it really illumines us to be a brighter witness and more influential in the world around us. Um, and to me, that was uh, an incredible thing. And if you actually trace the word grace back, this was fascinating to me. Um, several weeks ago, I was reading something, uh, a very thick book on it, trace the word grace back all the way um, to its origins. And a lot of times we kind of think of grace kind of being associated with Paul in the New Testament. But if you trace the word back, it actually goes way back beyond the birth of Christ. Even in Genesis, you can begin to see how God created man as he breathed life. He put his very breath in them. And so his greatest desire was to create another being that could live in relationship. And he said, you know, this is the pinnacle of my creation. You, as an individual, are the pinnacle of the all creation that he had just created, and he was glad to be with them. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden from day one. And to me, it's comforting to know that we have a God who's walking with us currently in this situation. And so the word grace, he kind of traced back even into Greece, or the, the culture of Greece, where a, a grace was something that someone who was in a, a position of authority would actually send a servant with a gift if he wanted to be in relationship with a certain person. And it was a way of extending a gift, and that person had to receive it and, and basically say, I'm committing to a relationship with this person. And so it was seen as something that was given. You know, he's like, I'm giving you a grace. It was a gift. It was something that they didn't have to earn. They didn't have to perform, but it was something that was received. And if I received it from another person who was sending it, I'm saying, I'm committing to a relationship with you. And I think that's a lot of times how we've got to approach Christ coming into the world. He's extending his hand to us. And he's saying, I'm inviting you in. Not just to know about who I am, but I want you to experience that. Not just to know it in your head, 
but what does it mean to really walk with me? And that's what I'm inviting you into, he says, is an experience of how to live out that truth. So I want to jump in really quick to to Luke chapter 1. It's kind of where we're going to be today. And this is the encounter that Mary has with an angel. And it's the angel coming to Mary and saying, um, telling her the good news that she was going to have a child. And so can we get that Luke chapter 1 up on the screen here? This is starting at verse 26. And I'm one who likes to read in a lot of different translations. And one of the translations that I've really come to appreciate and love is the Passion Translation. It just gives a rich context for the flavor and the richness of kingdom language. And so that's kind of what I'm going to be reading from. If you've got a different translation, it might show up a little bit different. But just hear these words. The Passion Translation is up on the screen. You can kind of follow along. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph and a true descendant of the King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. And I want to pause right there. It says, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you. There's that word with you. Could you imagine being Mary, a young woman, having an angel appear before you and tell you this news that you're going to have a child? I'm sure there would have been a wide range of emotion. She would have felt maybe overwhelmed a little bit. She would have felt excited at the same time. But the angel said, grace to you, for the Lord is with you and has anointed you with great favor. And I just caught that, is that when God is with you, your life has favor upon it. And notice Mary's response in verse 29. It says, Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel, bewildered over what this may mean for her. So again, you could see she's kind of torn. What does this mean? She's trying to process it and contemplate it in her heart. And notice what the angel says. But the angel reassured her, saying, do not yield to your fear. Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. There's that word gift. You will become pregnant with the baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest and the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limit. Just take another pause there. Imagine the weight of those words that Mary has just received. This king will have no limits, that he'll be the savior of the world who will sit on David's throne. And down in verse 38, it says, Then Mary responded, saying, This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass, and the angel left her. So again, Mary makes a decision, and she says, okay, I'm going to believe this. I'm going to take the angel at his word, and I'm going to believe this. And may everything come to pass, not just part of the thing that the angel told her, but everything. And this is the part that uh, really kind of caught my attention this week as I've been preparing in verse 39. 
Afterward, Mary arose and hurried off to the hill country of Judea, the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Arriving at their home, Mary entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the moment she heard Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth's womb jumped and kicked. And suddenly Elizabeth was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she prophesied with power. Again, I just kind of want to pause there. This is a pretty incredible thing. What does she do? She goes and actually tells her aunt, um, Elizabeth, and she shares it. She's just been given this great news, and then she's running to Elizabeth's house because she knows that she's pregnant as well. Because a lot of times when we get good news, what we tend to do is we maybe tend to isolate or keep it to ourselves. But yet she's willing to run to Elizabeth's house and share this great news that she had just received with another person. And what's Elizabeth's response? This is amazing to me. And this is the thing that absolutely floored me over these last couple of weeks is when I saw this. It said that at the moment she heard Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth's womb jumped and kicked. I want you to get a picture of that in your mind. This is amazing. Jesus hasn't even been born or come into the world yet. And yet he's already creating a response in another human being, in another human that hasn't even been born yet. Is that amazing or what? Okay, this side might be sleeping. I'm going to try it on this side. (laughs) Jesus just caused a response when he hasn't even been born in another human that hasn't been born. It said that the baby in Elizabeth had jumped for joy. So think about in terms of Jesus coming into the world. When we're in his presence and we begin to see him for who he is, it creates a response in our heart out of love that this person is extremely glad to be with me. And I'm just trying to put myself in that situation, being Elizabeth, having another woman who's pregnant, now coming, celebrating this good news, saying that, hey, this is what the angel just told me, that I'm going to have a baby. And not only just any baby, but a baby that's going to probably save the human race of its sin. It's going to be the savior of the world. Now imagine Elizabeth has one of two responses. She could either celebrate the joy of another person and be with her in that, or she'd be like, well, I'm, I'm pregnant too. And you know, my baby's just got this word over his life that he's going to prepare the way for your baby. She could have been upset, but no, She celebrated with Mary, and she entered into it through relationship with her. And it says she jumped for joy. And not only was Mary's presence um, bringing good news, but it says that Elizabeth was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as she received this good news from Mary. And she said she literally felt the baby inside of her jump. And then the notice the last few verses is that Elizabeth actually gets a word that she begins to declare over Mary's life because of this response. It says uh, Mary or Elizabeth prophesied with power. And it's, words are powerful. When words are spoken over us, they carry weight and they bring things into the world. Elizabeth said, Mary, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others. For your child is destined to bring God great delight How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me? The moment you came in the door and greeted me, my baby danced inside me with ecstatic joy. 
there's that word ecstatic joy again. She's aware of what's going on inside of her. She says, great favor is upon you, for you have believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. And I love that last sentence, too, is that she received every word the Lord had said to her. A lot of times I think we get, you know, a, a word or a prompting or someone shares something with us and, and we're okay with a part of it, but to really embrace the entirety of it, it takes a lot of character. It takes a, a strong identity because when God gives himself to us and is present with us in his fullness, there's a lot of things that go into that. And I'm sure Mary kind of trying to make sense of this still, what's that going to mean from a parent level? What's that going to mean as my child grows up? You know, uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other kids around him who may be making fun of him, putting him down, you know, making false claims about him. She's going to see her son get hurt, but yet this is supposed to be the savior of the world. Probably not what you would have expected, but yet it says that she received it in its entirety and in its fullness. I'm willing to take everything that's going to be good and I'm willing to accept everything that's going to be hard because she didn't know at that time Jesus was going to have to suffer so badly. But this experience and this encounter between the two, Mary and Elizabeth, produced in them both a level of resilience and endurance. No matter what would come up against them, they had a word from God himself about who their sons were going to be. And when they accepted it, it gave them power and it gave them authority. And they rejoiced and they entered into joy together. You see, I think as we kind of look at the story and we kind of take away from, well, what can I take away from this is that the, the season we celebrate, Christmas, Emmanuel. I love the song that Celebration did about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. One of my favorite Christmas songs, but it's this concept of setting our hearts and fixing our eyes on Christ coming into the world and thinking on a daily basis intentionally about how does this impact my day? One of the first thoughts that comes into my head when I wake up every morning is simply this, God, what do we get to do today? And I begin having a conversation with him, asking the Holy Spirit, where do I need to be today? Who can I encourage today? How can I let light shine out of my life? Even if I don't got everything put together, I want to show up in my day today for the people around me. And I want to bring joy. And it's not just this, I got to pretend and put on this mask and in this face of pretending that I'm joyful, that I'm happy. No, it's I can get up and I can build myself up in the spirit to be confident in who I am and who God's created me to be, and walk into the world in my identity, my rightful identity, that I can be secure, that I can be attached to my Father, and I can walk that out on a daily basis because he's with me. Because I believe that walking with God looks a lot differently in pain and suffering than it does when things are good. And I just kind of felt like God was in this service wanting me to share just uh, a couple little things about uh, really about three years ago of an extremely hard place that I was in. Um, I was very broken, probably the most broken spot in my entire life. 
because I had made some choices that had hurt a lot of other people. And there were choices that I knew wasn't out of my true identity. And there were a lot of things that happened because of it that I wasn't real proud of. And I just, I felt like the, 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 the people around me didn't understand me. There was a lot of shame that was building up on the inside of me. And I felt like there was just this grief that I had lost a lot of things that had been taken away. And so what began to happen is God started to do an inner work in my heart. And he was bringing me into a season to learn how to walk with him in a different way. Because I had never been up against some of these things in my life before. And I had felt, I, I felt a lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt. And I can remember one morning, I was sitting in my living room. A lot of times I get up early and I work out and just spend time kind of reflecting on the word and listening to worship music. And I can just remember being so broken that morning where I was just crying and I was in tears. And I was driven to my knees. I couldn't even stand up. And I was just crying out to God, where are you? Where are you? My life was together, you know, and all of a sudden I made a few choices that over the years had gotten to become a part of my life. And, and I felt like I didn't know who I was. And I felt like his provision and his promises had just all of a sudden left. And in that moment, I just asked God, can I have your eyes? Can I have your ears? Because I need to, I need to know you see me. I need to know that you're real in this moment. And I need to be able to perceive where you're at. And I just got still and I got quiet. Because a lot of times God will kind of show up for me in kind of pictures and images. And then he'll begin to reveal himself. And I'll begin to journal and write out, okay, this is what I hear. And I just asked where he was. And I got this image in my mind as I'm kneeling over my couch, Jesus just standing behind me with his arms stretched out like a covering and protecting me. And I just saw this image very clearly in my head. And I said, God, I don't feel that. I feel like everything has been taken away. And I feel like people are walking out on me. They've given up. They don't see me for who I am. But in that moment, he began to speak. And he said, I'm going to come around you and I'm going to enter into a season with you where my arms are going to protect you. And I'm going to begin to walk with you and you're going to enter a season where maybe you'll have to do things that you don't feel called to do. But if you're willing to walk that out with me, there's going to be things that I begin to add to your life that you would not get. And I need to do some purifying. I need to do some cleansing. But it's going to be in a loving way. And I began to receive this message in my heart that God was not abandoning me, that he was not leaving me, that he was not stripping these things away. But he said, I'm going to take you off the front lines and I want to heal your heart. If you're willing to just allow me to come in and be the healer, be the counselor that you read in this book, in the word, and let the Holy Spirit do only the work the Holy Spirit can do, you're going to be brought back into places that are far greater than you've ever experienced. And he started to affirm me. He started to speak to my identity in those moments. 
And he began to reassure me that he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. And that became a reality in that moment for me, that I have a God that is not going to leave me. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, I had a couple more of these experiences. And I can remember one day being um, in a place where I was out in nature. I don't even remember where I was at this time. But I was just thinking about God, and I was thinking about creation. And I just kind of felt, uh, I saw this vision unfold over my life. And it was kind of me, and I was sitting there, and it was, it was me and Jesus just kind of sitting here. And before us, we were kind of in this chair. Um, we were looking out. And it was all these like, backdrops, you know, there was sunsets, there was mountains, there was oceans, there was hillsides, deserts, like all the things that you associate with beauty is just kind of flipping before me. And then all of a sudden he kind of brings us back into this moment and he starts talking with me and he just says, aren't these great? And I said, yeah, they are like, it's beautiful. And he said, you know what? I created all that, and I'm, and I'm proud of it. But he said, doing this right here, this is my heart. Being in relationship with you and being present with you is the most important thing to me right now. And he began this conversation and this uh, talk with me about, you know, I've created all this other stuff in the world, but the thing that I value most is being with you and seeing you for who you are. And it was a moment that has just kind of stuck with me and given me strength through a lot of different moments. And so I wanted to just encourage you today, um, as we kind of think about this, um, you know, joy is this kind of concept for a lot of us. I think that's elusive. And the thing that's amazing to me as I prepared for this was kind of thinking back to, you know, if you've got a child um, you'll kind of relate with this, but can you imagine, can you remember, just go back to that moment in time where your first child was born and just take a kind of a minute to sit in that memory. Can you picture the room? Can you feel in your body what it felt like? You remember being there with your spouse, having the support and the comfort that they had? And I was amazed as over the years I've started to learn about how the brain in a young child develops. Because a, brain's, uh, a child's brain develops through attachment and its ability to see and to feel the love and the embrace from their mother. I can remember when Cameron, our first, was born, who's actually right here, um, I can remember Michelle holding her for the first time and the level of joy that I saw. And just think about as a, as a child is held and comforted, you know, they're able to feel the embrace of, of their mother. And they begin to have a secure attachment, which develops a strong identity over the course of their life if they feel a, a connected and with somebody, as opposed to no one caring about them, no one seeing them in that moment. In about three months of age, they get their eyesight and they're able to see. And if you've ever seen a child or been in a store, it's funny because if you try to make eye contact with them, they get this big smile on their face. And you can just see the joy, like they're glad to be with you, right? And then they got to kind of look away and they've got to kind of rest and pause. And then they look back to you and you start to play kind of, you know, peekaboo and you have eye contact with them. 
But a lot of times it's through that visual um, concept where we feel secure and we feel a sense of attachment. And so from a young age, what happens in a, in a young person's brain is that they're building that capacity for joy. It, at first, it might be just one minute where they can handle looking, and then they got to look away, and they've got to kind of get built back up. And then they look back again, and maybe it's two minutes the next time. And so you go throughout life and all the circumstances and experiences, and you begin to build this capacity of joy, of being able to focus on the things that bring you um, a sense of just being connected with other people. And as you begin to build that level of, of appreciation and gratitude, you know, there's something that starts to happen on the inside. And the thing that amazed me was that children who felt loved and connected have a higher level and tolerance to be resilient and to endure hard things well. And that to me was amazing is thinking about walking through your circumstances with a God who's over everything in this world, who's created everything knowing that you don't have to be alone when you're walking through hard times, when you're walking through painful times. And he's going to show up and do incredible things with you, um, you know, in those times. And so with the time left, I just kind of wanted to give you guys some practical things that, that I've implemented into my own life. Like I've been a part of a few ministry over the last three years who um, I think do just an incredible job of giving, you know, tools to be able to kind of know how to build some of these things. And so I want to kind of talk about building joy. And I want to give you two things, two things that I think can help you remember and just real practical things of how to build joy. And then I'm going to just give you a live example of how this has played out um, between my daughter and I. But um, two things, games and cake. Games and cake. You heard me right. In the physical sense... They may bring joy, but it's an acrostic that stands for something. So I'm going to bring the first one. If we can go to that slide, I just want to give you this. Um, games is the first one. Gratitude. You know, if you can build a habit of being gratitude, you can find things in your present life that you're grateful for and spend five minutes, three times a day doing those things, you're going to see the level of joy begin to rise. Because scripture talks about this a lot. Colossians 1, Philippians 4. Set your mind on things above. Find things that you're grateful for in, in the morning, afternoon, nighttime. Spend five minutes living in that memory. Reminding yourself of things you can be grateful for. A, anticipation. Things in the future. What's ahead of you that excites you, that brings you joy? Because these are things that God has put before you. How do you get to walk into these things with God? M, memories, things of the past. What, are you, what, have, what can you celebrate in your life? How have you seen God work? What things have been encouraging to you? These are all ways to build um, appreciation. E, experiences. This is the part of sharing it with another person. Going back to this story, Mary and Elizabeth, they shared an experience together. Because when we have these experiences, God doesn't want to keep them to, uh, he doesn't want us to keep it to ourselves. He wants us to actually do it with someone. Because when you do it with someone, it connects both halves of your brain. And that sounds a little bit weird, but the left side of your brain is more um, attuned with logic, reason, telling the story of what's actually happening and meaning with the experience of that truth. And so um, sharing it with other people, S, singing. 
connecting again. This is another way that our brain connects the two halves. Because think of a worship service. We came in here, we began with singing. It opens up your spirit to receive. There's a purpose of why we sing in the worship. And that's to make the truth of what we're about to hear solidify. Because God just doesn't want to give you information about himself. But he wants to create an experience. So singing actually does that. You engage it. I used to be a person who really didn't engage worship a whole lot. But now I absolutely love it. And I'll engage. I'm expressive. And if you know me, I tend to be more introverted. But the crazy thing what happens in worship is I become almost extroverted. <laughs> it's just what I found out how God works. You know? And I know a lot of extroverts who come into worship and they need to get quiet. And so they'll quiet themselves and become real quiet because they're normally extroverted. And so what happens in worship is, man, I just need a place to kind of come down and just be with God. So singing. Um, cake. This is another way, just to kind of, our brains have things called relational circuits. And when we're in relational mode, you know, there's, there's ways that we stay connected with God and with other people. And this is one of them, curiosity. And this is kind of a way to check whether you're in relational mode or what I call enemy mode, where it's kind of like, I don't want to be around this person. I'm going to avoid people. And I just kind of want to be in my own little world. But a good sign of this is remaining curious about other people. How many people do you interact on a daily basis with? And it's just simply being empathetic and being curious about what's going on in their life. Being curious about what God is doing in my life and beginning to ask him, God, what are you doing in this circumstance? And just letting him begin to speak to you. So curiosity, if you don't have curiosity, there's a good sign that relational circuits are off. And you're not going to hear from God. You're not going to be as receptive. A, appreciation. This just goes back to what we just talked about. Teaching yourself to appreciate things in life. And there's going to be a joy and a resilience that builds through that. K, kindness. Just simply being kind to other people. Knowing that God is kind. Um, this is a big thing. You know, when you're interacting with other people, does kindness come out of us? Do we represent gentleness, goodness? You know, we talk a lot about the fruit of the Spirit. And if you know, the fruit of the Spirit is the character of who God is. And so when the fruit of the Spirit is in us through the Holy Spirit, these kind of things should be coming out of our lives naturally. It's something that we don't have to produce. E, eye contact. This is another just simple thing. In our culture today, it's very hard, and it's kind of alarming sometimes when you go around and you walk into a building, do you get eye contact with people? Are they willing to look you in the, in the eye? And just stop and be present with you in the moment. Because again, a baby's recognition of feeling loved and having a joyful sense of someone's glad to be with me is through eyes. And if you go throughout scripture, how many times does it say, talk about the face of God in the eyes of Christ? It's when you see his compassion and it's when you see him looking at you that it begins to change you. And so these are just, you know, real practical ways in which, um, again, if you apply these things, um, I've seen them in my life begin to work out and, and enable new things. And I've also got a little handout um, on this front sheet out here on relational circuits. 
Um, and I just kind of, if you want a list to be able to kind of look at, you know, I might be in enemy mode if these things are happening, or I could be in relational mode if these things are happening. But I just kind of want to end the service, and I'll do this really quickly. I'm going to ask my daughter Cameron to come up here because this is a very practical thing that I've started to do with my own children. And it goes back to um, at night, kind of when we're getting ready for bed, what I've started to do is I've just started to kind of ask them, you know, let's go back to an, a memory of appreciation about something that happened or, you know, something that was really meaningful to you today or in your past. In about a week or so ago, um, I was in with Cameron before bed and I just asked her, okay, let's just do this little exercise together. And I said, I want you to think of a memory and just go back for two or three minutes and just kind of live in that moment. And I just said, notice how you were feeling. Who was with you? And just enjoy reliving that for two or three minutes. And so we both did it. And she had her memory, I had my memory, and we sat there for three minutes. And I kind of peeked and I looked and I could see her smiling and that it was a good experience. And then after that, I just said, okay. Now the Bible tells us that Jesus is with us in every situation. And I said, you may not have seen Jesus physically in that memory, but a lot of times when we go back into that memory, we can perceive where Jesus was. And so I just said, Cameron, you know, ask Jesus, where was he in that memory? And what would he have been doing? What would he have been saying? How would he have been engaging with you? You know, because it was such a good experience. And so I just said, take two or three minutes and just see if you can. I said, if you don't see anything, if you don't hear anything, that's fine. You may not. But I said, a lot of times he'll show up and it'll be a picture, an image. It could be something simple. And so I, we took two or three minutes and did that. And then after that, I just said, okay, let's share with each other you know, the memories that we had. And I just wanted to bring Cameron up. And I, we were driving to get Christmas gifts yesterday. And I just said, hey, would you, by the way, would you be interested in sharing this and brave enough to do this? And she said, yeah, I will. And so Cameron, and when I asked you, what memory did you go back to? What was the thing that kind of came um, to your mind? Getting our new dog, Macy. And when did we get her? Um. We got her this past summer. And so, what, what did you remember about that? What made, can you hold it? Hold it up. And what was, what, what was it that made you happy about that? Like, what do you remember? Um, I remember just dogs running around and, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, we got a new dog this summer and I can just, you know, there were three other dogs there. And so I could just, you know, there was a level of joy and excitement and interaction and, you know, that was the thing that God kind of brought back to her memory. And then when I asked you about um, if you could perceive Jesus in that memory and where would he have been, you just want to share what, um, what you saw? So he didn't show me, like, where he was. So I asked him, and he said, um, he didn't, he just showed me a picture, and it was a mirror. So, like, I thought, well, what does a mirror mean? And so I know how mirrors reflect things. So I thought that he was like reflecting off of my emotions. All right. Thanks, Cameron. You can have a seat. Um, 
But this was just something simple, and it was just—it was a really cool experience that night because the memory that he had given me, you know, and I could Cameron didn't remember this, but the original thing that she told me too was that Jesus was actually sitting in the chair playing with the other dogs, you know, just having this big old smile on his face, and he was just glad to be with her in that moment. And so it was just a really neat experience that you know Cameron and I got to share together, and for both of us, it was just neat sharing and hearing you know, that interaction of just, you know, how God was with us and how he was present in those moments. And those are just simple little things, you know, that we can do on a daily basis that really kind of re-engage us with connecting with him. So um, I guess I could just kind of close, you know, close today. Um, if you just kind of want to stand, I just kind of feel like um, God kind of wants to just, you know, bless our time bless you guys in kind of this idea of being connected to him today. And a lot of times as we come to, if you're comfortable or if you want to, you can put your hands out. That's just a posture of being able to receive what God has and saying, Lord, I want to receive this. And there's nothing that, you know, you have to do in order to receive his blessing and his presence in your life. Father, I thank you so much for being a God who stepped down out of eternity with, with, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, to come into our world and to live a life of love and compassion and mercy. And I'm grateful today that in our most broken times, that your presence doesn't leave us, but it, we just might become unaware of where it is. And I just get this picture right now that there are some individuals in here who just kind of feel like they're wandering out in the desert or in the wilderness and you feel dry. And I just want to release a blessing of, of his life and his living water. In John 4 and John 7, it talks about the living water coming in, flowing in, bubbling up inside of us that rivers of living water would come forth. And so, Father, I want to speak to all the dry places in every spirit and every mind here today. And I just want to ask that you fill them. God, fill them with a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. Father, fill their hearts with a sense of connection and relationship. God, remind them that they are special and favorite to you. Because you see them where they're at. You see them in your present in their pain. You see them in your present in their joy. So, Father, we want to receive the fullness of your blessing today. And so, Father, I thank you that throughout all of Scripture, we see your desire and your delight over our lives and how you made us and uniquely created us in your image. God, I was reminded even as Cameron shared that image of a mirror, how you reflect back to us who we really are. For some of you, you may be believing lies about that, that other people or the enemy have told you for so long. And I could just see Christ holding that mirror up, telling you that you're a son, that you're a daughter of the king. These lies that have taken root in your heart are being pulled out, pulled out. I can just see like weeds in a garden being pulled out in rivers of life, filling it, bringing new fruit, new fruit into the soil of your heart. So I want you to receive those words 
and just tell him today, Jesus, I thank you that you're my life. And if you're in a place maybe where you want that relationship with Christ, it's real simple. And you can just pray in your heart this prayer. Father, I receive you into my heart. I want the presence of Christ to dwell in me. And I want the Holy Spirit to fill me with new life. So I receive the new identity you've given. And I trust you with my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I hope you guys leave this place feeling connected. Um, it's a blessing to be with you. I have the opportunity to share today. Um, you guys are welcome to, to stick around to fellowship a little bit. But um, it's good, good to be here today. Go in peace. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.